Hello, and welcome to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today, we're going to be opening up the Salt and Light Hope Chest and pulling out some of your favorite conversations. We start by speaking with author Alyssa Bormas, who tells us what faith has to do with hockey. And Curtis Stevens speaks to us about hope and consolation. In our second half hour, Devin Schott encourages all the fathers who are listening out there, and we meet the band Out of Darkness. We begin now with the Catechism of Hockey. I'm sure most of you sports fans have never asked why sports have so many rules. We just accept that to play soccer or baseball, you need rules. Take hockey. There are so many rules. There are rules about the number of players on the ice, about how long they can be on the ice, about the uniforms, about penalties, about slashing, cross-checking, high-sticking. There are offsides and icing. But all hockey players and fans know that without the rules, there would be no hockey. But many of us wonder why the Catholic Church has so many rules. Well, if you have ever needed help explaining the faith to anyone, we now have a new playbook. And to tell us all about it, I am now joined by Alyssa Bormas, author of The Catechism of Hockey. Alyssa, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be on with you. It, it was a thrill reading your book. Now, th- tell us how you came up with, with this idea. You know, I was, uh, I've was i always heard, and I think we all have, that uh, sports are a religion. Uh-huh. But I was laying awake one night pondering that and wondering, we all admit it, but I've never heard a reason why. And then it was literally like a poof, and I had the catechism of hockey, nearly the whole thing, in one poof. <laughs> and then the next thing is a friend called me to say she was engaged, and I said, that's great, but let me tell you about the catechism of hockey. Oh, and it just great. started from there. That's great. I, I, I have to tell you that I've, I've already used it twice, once in a homily to ah. explain something and, I, and also in a confirmation class to explain something else. So it, it, I find it so useful. So, okay, so f- people are probably still trying to figure out what we're talking about. So, th- so this, is, this analogy that you're making be- between hockey or sports in general and, and our faith, catech- the, catechism of the, cath- the catechism of hockey and the catechism of our faith. So um, can you explain everything about our faith using hockey analogies? I don't know that I have explained everything about the faith. Pretty the faith much. Is so rich. <laughs> uh, but you know what? I've just explained the basics. Okay. Just the, the beginning rules, how it's set up, the deposit of faith, and then the um, commissioner and governing body, for example. Right. Suppose where hockey really uh, stands out over any other sport in the analogy is uh, with sin. Uh-huh. And it's because in hockey you get a major or minor penalty, and when you get one you go to the box, which is so Catholic. Uh-huh. And then the amazing thing is that you make your team play shorthanded, which is exactly what we do when we're not in a state of grace. Right. No, you know what? I, that's a great example. I was going to ask you to give us an example. So let's let's unpack that a little more. So in hockey because there might be listeners who, who are not hockey, uh, who don't follow hockey. So in hockey, when there's a penalty, one of the players gets taken off the ice, and the team has to play with shorthanded. So instead of five players, they would play with four, correct? Right, exactly. A- and you're saying... You, the, um, the one team, you don't get to replace the guy who's made a penalty. No, you They don't. have to go sit in the box, and now you're a guy short, but the other team gets to stay at full strength. Right, which is what we call a power play. So 
Yes. And you're saying that in, in real life with sin, that's exactly what happens, that when we yes. sin, we're actually hurting the whole team because we're, they have to then play shorthanded. That's exactly right. We, when we're not in a state of grace, which, you know, just look at the world today. I think plenty of us are not in a state of grace. Mm-hmm. And we make the mystical body, the whole Catholic Church, play shorthanded. Mm-hmm. And I always think, just imagine if for one day, just your diocese played at full strength. Mm-hmm. Imagine if the country played at full strength, or the whole Catholic world. If we played at full strength one day, we would transform the world. Right. Absolutely. Now, you do spend a lot of times, and I alluded to this in the intro, uh, uh, trying to compare rules, why hockey has rules and the church has rules. Why would you say then that the church has so many rules? How do you respond to people who who, who complain about that? (laughs) You know, uh, we often hear the church is just a list of things you can't do. Yeah. And I always say it's really a list of the things that you can do. It's one thing that you can do. It's say yes to Christ. Mm. And in order to say yes to him perfectly, you necessarily have to reject other things. So the Church is just telling us what to reject in order to say yes perfectly to Christ. Right. So, and that's the same as in hockey, because the rules are are sort of allowing us to have the freedom so that we can play the game? That's that's exactly it. The, The rules give you freedom. Right. If you just had this chaotic thing where you could play a mixture of, let's say, hockey, football, baseball, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. whatever sport. With flip-flops. And <laughs> and there were no real rules that we all understood as sort of the baseline. Yes. And it, it's just chaos. Yeah, it wouldn't be fun at all. Um, so, and, and what about people who say, well, why does the faith have to be so difficult? Can't we just play? How would you respond to that? <laughs> you know... Uh, I think of the Olympians uh, just that we just watched. Right. And that it's so great to set the bar high. Because what, what happens when we set the bar high is people reach for it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things that I'm calling parents to do as they teach their children. They're the first teachers. And if you teach the children, set the bar high. Because your kids really want to reach it. Mm-hmm. But when we're satisfied with mediocrity, they'll be satisfied with it or less. So when Jesus says, and when the church says, be perfect or be holy as your heavenly father is perfect, uh, that's what you mean. You know, be, um, strive for it. Yeah, because I can't be perfect, but I can definitely, I'm called to, to try and try and try and strive. And, and you know, I, it reminds me also of... Um, uh, Therese of Lisieux in the story of the soul yes. speaks about being the grain of sand at the bottom of the mountain yeah. and trying to climb uh, Carmel but the um, that God wouldn't give you something impossible to do right right that he will help you and frankly then in her case she jumps into his arms in order that he'll help her yeah um, let me ask you about one more of the analogies because, I mean, the f- the book is full of these analogies and I, I don't want to give too many of them away because I want people to get the book. But one of the ones right. that I, f- I found the most uh, the most perfect and surprising at the same time was your, your explanation about why we shouldn't have sex outside of marriage or before marriage. Can uh, you take us through that one? Uh, uh, 
You know, that was so much fun. I uh, it all it really did come about That's because great. the um, the principal at the grade school called me to substitute teach. Yeah, and I'm used to her calling me for that, but I always think it's for a theology class. Right. And this time it's for a gym class. Yeah. And I thought, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? And uh, so thinking of um, having these girls help me with research. Right. And uh, I suppose your audience is thinking, what on earth? How does marriage high school girls or junior high girls and I know, uh, just, research yeah, wait for it. it <laughs> yeah, yeah, go for it. But the the thing was, I I wanted to talk about winning the Stanley Cup uh-huh. because we all agree that in hockey, the Stanley Cup is the ultimate reward. Absolutely. Now we could certainly be talking about baseball in the World Series or something. It doesn't yeah. matter which sport. Yes. But the ultimate reward in hockey is the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. And winning the Stanley Cup. How do we do that? And so I told the girls, we're going to practice winning the Cup. Mm-hmm. And we had a Stanley Cup stand-in, which was a stick course that we found in a <laughs> closet someplace. Yeah. And I would announce, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the 2011 Stanley Cup winners and uh, the you know the girls from Holy Family Academy, and they jump around, and, and it was all exciting, and then they'd stop and stare at me. Yeah. Like, okay, now what? They said, well, we're winning the cup. No, we're not. We're not doing anything. I said, well, you're not understanding. So I would do it again. Yeah. And uh, we'd practice winning the cup, as in being handed the cup. Yes. Being handed the big reward before we did any of the work. Mm-hmm. And it was the girls themselves telling me, you can't win the cup that way. Mm-hmm. I would say, why not? As, uh, you know, as if I didn't understand what they were saying. Right. And they said, um, because we're not doing any work. You're not teaching us anything. We haven't worked at skating. Mm-hmm. We don't even know the rules of skating. You've done nothing to help us. And uh, in essence, there's no sacrifice going into this award, so it's meaningless. Yeah. But, ah, fantastic. I said, but don't you want to learn, you know, how to accept the award? Mm-hmm. Don't you want to learn how to be excited? Shouldn't we even learn to sign autographs to be ready for that and, yeah. and take team pictures, you know, practice at that? And they said, no, that's the easy part. Mm-hmm. You'll just know how to do that. Mm-hmm. And there was one uh, girl, well, I hate to give this part away, but I will. Yeah. <laughs> but like a mystic in the background, she kept telling me after I made them do it over and over and over. She said, it's fake. Yeah. Ah, that's it. It's brilliant. It's that's brilliant. It. It's... And that yeah. nobody practices winning the Stanley Cup by being handed stand-in. Yeah. You practice winning the Stanley Cup by sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And that's what I uh, that's what I got from these girls, and then I translated it to marriage. We, Absolutely. quote-unquote, practice marriage. That's what you hear all the time. Yeah. With people sleeping with one another. Mm-hmm. That's not practicing marriage. That's practicing the easy part. Yeah. It's fake. That's the part that comes naturally. You have to practice the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's that's so. I mean, just that is worth getting the book. Um, I, 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 seriously, I'm going to continue using. I'm actually going to go do a marriage encounter uh, during Lent. There's four sessions. I'm going to use that ex- same example because it's so good, Alyssa. That's all the time we have. But I am. I'm very excited about the book, and I and I hope that everybody, catechists, parents, anybody who has struggled struggles with understanding 
anything about our catechism, gets the book yes. because it's so, you put it all in, even for people who are not sports fans, we get it. We get it. So thank you so much for, for that poof of the idea that came to you clearly by the Holy Spirit and, and for, for putting it to paper because it's, it's, uh, it's very, well, very it, good and very useful. It had useful. to be, and it was, it was a great, it's been a great blessing. It's unbelievable. Thank you for having me. Amen. Alyssa Bormas is a popular speaker and retreat leader. She has taught scripture, theology, and catechism in a variety of settings. Her first book, The Catechism of Hockey, is published by ACS Books, and you can learn more at her website, alyssabormas.com. We're going to put that site on uh, that link on our site so you can find it easily. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Curtis Stephen, with Face the East from his album, Songs of Consolation. Face the East Lift your eyes to the horizon Wait in joyful hope for its light to come Face the east, for the sun is rising Christ defeated death and love prevails The sun will rise and love will light the way For those who choose to That was Curtis Stephen with Face the East from his new album, Songs of Consolation. Last we spoke with Curtis Stephen, he had just released his previous album, Amid Passing Things. After that, 
Curtis embarked in an Indiegogo campaign to fund a Songs of Consolation CD. Needless to say, he reached his goal, and the album is now done. But it's not just an album. There's a whole ministry around this. Um, we've been listening to a few of the songs. But to tell us more, I'm now joined by Curtis Stephen. Curtis, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour. Hey, it's great to be back. I know. Now, last time you and I saw each other, we were at World Youth Day. <laughs> mm-hmm. There wasn't a lot of consolation happening there. Well, <laughs> how was, <laughs> how, how was I, I didn't get a chance to see you as you were leaving or before you left, so how, how was your World Youth Day experience? Oh, it was just the energy of the people in Brazil was off the hook. It was so amazing that to yeah. see... Gosh, that whole that whole Copacabana Beach filled with people, and just the the, the persona of our Holy Father was, mm-hmm. you know, Pope Francis was, um, and and the things that he's been saying, and the things that I think he's drawn that uh, to the surface and brought for people, um, just in in his enthusiasm to evangelize the church, right. and the things he's calling us to, it just feels fresh. It feels it feels beautiful and exciting and Catholic. Yeah, and it is. It doesn't just feel that way. It is. (laughs) Um, Why, and don't take this the wrong way, but when I see you, when I hear your music, I don't think about, like, this is the guy that's going to help me, you know, uh, deal with my grieving. So why do an album focusing on consolation and hope? Well, you know, honestly, I just think that's an underrated part of most people's lives. I mean, the one thing that unites us all is the fact that is suffering. It's yeah. suffering. It's not one is the grief of of losing a loved one or or being face to face with that. You mm-hmm. know, um, and uh, the second part of that is that you know suffering unites us all. I mean, everybody has their struggles, and we all need consolations and encouragement at time. And uh, this particular project came from, you know, my dad passed away, um, yeah. and I. Uh, was just struggling, you know, with uh, trying to to just continue to 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 with all the feelings and emotions that go with that. I mean, mm-hmm. they're, it's they're so innumerable and they're so different for everyone. They're they're very unique for everyone. Mm-hmm. And as we know, in a we, we're in an era where we're we're talking about the new evangelization. We give conferences on it and that kind of thing. And and as I was there, I was thinking. You know what? I mean, if we were really serious about evangelization, we sh- we would do our funerals a little different. We would uh, try to find ways to um because after after the funerals over, after our um, you know, we've had our farewells and that kind of thing, it doesn't mean that the grieving's over. You mm-hmm. know, my mom remarked how after the after the uh death of my fat and my dad, my father, mm-hmm. um we had uh, the house was really quiet, and after the flowers right. fade, and after the uh, the cards are kind of put away, you know, you're kind of left in your grief and a new reality. And yeah. what I wanted to do is try to put music in the modern sense to be able to be in the people's ears, to be able to help give them the word of God in their heart at the time of their choosing, when they could do it, when they had time for it, right. and uh, just keep it in their car with them at any point. They don't have mm-hmm. to admit that they're listening to a Christian music. Yeah. They can just listen to it on their own time, yeah. and it really could be evangelistic in that sense, yeah. that it would really open their hearts to that. Yeah. I, as you know, Sarah Hart also just put out an album above Earth Lamentation, dealing with mm-hmm. similar subjects, and, and she told me that she... I mean, a lot of the songs, that's how she was grieving herself. She found that she's, I mean, she's writing songs all the time, and she found that this, 
it, was that part of the process for you as well that you had to grieve through this process yes yes definitely i mean i think writing songs uh to me is just it's the way i i talk to god you mm-hmm. know music is in many ways just the way that i relate to god because it encompasses my whole person you know mm-hmm. it encompasses my gift of you know of music that god gave to me yeah. but it also helps me refine the thoughts of what it is that um i feel like god is saying to me and also what i would say to someone else you know what how do i how do i process this right um a lot of the songs in the in the process you know especially face the east is um that you know, a lot of times in grief, we can't. We want to try to fix the problem. You mm-hmm. always want to have that thing to say that's going to be like, "Yeah, my problems are all gone away." Mm-hmm. You know, the silver bullet. You know, that just wipes away all of the darkness. But the reality is, it's a long, long, long process. And uh, in face the east, I tried to just say, you know, I can't fix the problem for you. Mm-hmm. I can't make the sun rise, but I can tell you where it is going to rise. Mm-hmm. I can point you in the direction, which is in the east. You know, the sun, just keep facing the east, and God will show you the way, and love will light the way, you right. know? So. Now, you said that, I mean, you, your hope is that people can have the CD, they can listen to it in their car, that will help them in their grief. And, and by the way, we're not just talking about a consolation if, if, uh, due to a death, because, I mean, any comfort consolation because you lost your job or because there's any other, other different types of loss, correct? Um, sure, sure. Um, I mean, I had a, I had a, there was a girl... Um, that was part of my children's choir, and she, uh, she was, she had been in my choir for a long time. And when she was a teenager in high school, she, her father was dying of cancer, mm-hmm. and the one thing they kept saying was, you know, we listen to your CD every day, you know, right. and that when we have no words to say, we put the CD on, you right. know, to be with him in that time. Yeah. So it's in the time of people facing that. It's time of people getting depressed about. Um, losing their job or finding out they have an illness, mm-hmm, you yeah. know, that they're going to have to live with for 40, mm-hmm. 50 years, you know. Yeah. Uh, it could be a divorce, you know, a number of people that have been divorced, and, and they're really struggling with the consequences mm-hmm. of that. But consolations um, are just those, just knowing that someone's present with you, you know, that right. God is with you, right. that people are thinking of you. you right. Know? So so a, a huge part of, of what you're doing is obviously music-centered, but you also have set up a whole ministry around this idea of consolation, songsofconsolation.com. Can you tell us about, about the ministry? Yes, basically, um, we wanted the music to be more than that, you know, it, more than just a CD that I, I give somebody and it's like, here's my silver bullet, you know, <laughs> um, but to really give people an opportunity to share their thoughts, to be able to... Uh, um, to hear the people that participated in the Indiegogo fundraising to make the CD possible, mm-hmm. I wanted them to see what their efforts ultimately does to help other people be consoled. Right. So they can look on the website and they can see, you know, the song meant a lot to me. These, this CD, this pro- someone gave this CD to me, and I was far away from God after my mom passed away or whatever, and it and it drew me in. So it's got lyrics and reflection questions. It's got, uh, um, you know, it's got even a live concert that we did to mm-hmm. debut it. Um, there's different prayers and remembrances that people can put on there right. um, for people that, you know, they want to pray for or remember. Right. So, so, and you mentioned earlier about uh, we should do funerals differently. Um, it, would there be resources or, or help for people to help plan their funeral? Is that kind of stuff available there it's as well? Not 
it's not so much um, to uh, change the liturgy of it. Yeah. It's really the ministry that surrounds that, that liturgy. Yes. You know, it's the ministry that surrounds uh, the funeral. In other words, like a lot of times people come to meet, I, I work in a parish, and a lot of times people come to meet the parish priest and the musician, and it's a conversation like, you know, my grandfather was, or my father was really involved in the church. He was a very faithful man, and blah, blah, blah. Sorry, Father, I don't go to church. I used to be yes. an altar server, but yes. I don't go to church anymore. Yes. yes, And so the point being, like, how do we approach those moments where we have contact with people who have been far away from the church and bring them closer to let mm-hmm. them know we really do care? Yeah, I know. Um, that's, that's bang on. It happens to me. I just had that conversation with someone yesterday. That's mm. you can yeah have them all the time. Um, Curtis, this is great. I'm I'm looking forward to getting my copy. I haven't gotten yet. I've heard some of the songs, but uh, uh, and I know that it, when people buy one, they actually get two. That's yeah, that's kind of the gift. It's it's uh, uh, the the idea is for us to spread the gospel, and so the easiest way to do that is there's a little spot where they can write a little note in a Joe. Sorry about the loss of your grand your father. Yeah, you know, and they can really connect it and then to their. You know. Yeah, and then give that extra copy to someone else. Um, so that's that's just that is a brilliant idea. Um, so thank you for what you're doing. Keep keep it up, and let's connect sometime, my friend. Yes, that'd be great. All right, looking that, forward to it. That was Curtis Stephen. His new album, Songs of Consolation, is available through Spirit and Song, but also you can find out more about the album and uh, about the ministry at songsofconsolation.com. Here now is Curtis Stephen with another song from that album, Daylight. You're the one who knows my heart. You're the one who holds my life. You're the one who dries the tears. You're the one who hears my cries. But surely as the sun will rise, your grace will keep me through this night. As a watchman wait for daylight, I will wait for you. But you're the hope I'm holding on to. You're the love I'm clinging to.
That was Curtis Stephen with Daylight from his new album, Songs of Consolation. You're listening to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Remember that you can listen to any of these interviews at any time by simply going to our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And that's also where you can now listen to uninterrupted music, Christian music like never before. Email us at radio at saltandlighttv.org. And remember, visit us on Facebook. We've all heard it say that society goes by the way of the family, and the foundation of the family is marriage. But what if I told you that the way to change the family and strengthen society is actually to change fathers? That is the goal of a new book by Devin Schott, Joseph's Way, Prayer of Faith, which transmits the biblical vision of fatherhood, its necessity, its glory, and its irreplaceable effect on families and society. The book provides fathers with invaluable practical tools and profound spiritual insights to help them become the great fathers that God has created them to be. And to tell us more, I'm now joined by Devin Schott. Devin, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me on. So why do you say that the way to change the world is to change the human father? Great question. Well, if we look at it from a pragmatic, practical perspective, uh, we see the stats. Uh, Columbia University said that if uh, a relationship between a, a child and a father is strained, the child has a 68% probability to be involved in drugs, huh. alcohol, and premarital sex. Right. And an MSNBC study says that fathers have twice as much influence as mom in helping their children stave off teenage, uh, you know, pregnancy and te- teenage um, sexual activity. Yeah. And and their Baptist Press even said that if the mother is the first to become a Christian in the family, there's mm-hmm. a 17% chance that the family will follow. Huh. But if the father is the first, there's a 93% probability. Wow. So what this indicates is that from a human pragmatic perspective, the Father is the anchor. He is the one who has been given this this divine power to lead. But what does God have to say about it? In, in Malachi chapter 4, verse 6, God himself through the prophet Malachi says, in the end, before I come, before that great and terrible day, I'm going to send, you know, I'm going to send my prophet, and he's going to turn the hearts of children you know, towards their fathers and the hearts of fathers towards their children. Mm-hmm. And so what's going on here is the human father, when he turns his gaze towards his children, his children not only turn, the children not only turn their gaze towards their human father, but their heavenly father, because the human father is a link is between image, heaven and yeah. earth, between God the Father and their children. Right. Um, yeah, I've actually even heard it say that it's something like 75% of inmates in prisons had a strained relationship with father or no father. So that's so statistically, absolutely. Um, so so fathers need help, support, strengthening. Um, you have one book. It's the first of a two-volume series. What's what's your hopes for the book? <laughs> well, <clears throat> actually, I, I, I really don't know what my hopes for the book are. In <laughs> fact, I, I, wrote it, I wrote it to myself. I was really? longing. Yeah, I... Uh, Basically, I saw, I envisioned fatherhood as a second-rate vocation. I, I, you know, Jesus' words in the Great Commission to, to preach the gospel to all nations and baptize all nations, yeah. it, that's where all the action I thought was at. And so when my wife was pregnant with our, our third daughter, she ended up on life support and suffered a hypoxic event where nonoxygen oxygen was transmitted to her brain. And, right. and my wife, I was, at that time I was involved in ministry, um, but I was also ha- holding down a full-time job, and my wife just said, I need you at home. Mm-hmm. And 
in that process, I really felt like I wasn't following Christ, that I really wasn't, you know, heeding the Great Commission. And so I struggled with this idea of, can a father be a saint? Can a father really attain Christian greatness? Can he really be glorified by glorifying God the Father? And so in my pursuit of answering that question, I basically started writing this book to myself. It was a letter to myself, and it actually was four books, and now it's it's constituted or it comprises two books, Volume 1 and Volume 2 of Joseph's Way, right. called and, The Fatherly Greatness. Right, and it's, and it's I mean, there this book has 80 chapters or 80 days or uh, I guess 80 meditations, basically. Is it meant for me as a father to read a chapter every day? How, do, how does it work? Yeah, the book is broken down into bite-sized chunks, so it's very simple to digest, it's very simple to approach. Um, each There's 80 days in the first book, and each day you know, is approximately two or three pages, three or four pages, yeah. and it's a progression, it's a chronological progression, a vision of fatherhood to the lens of St. Joseph from the beginning of his, you know, his call to greatness to the end. And in this book, Volume 1, gets us about halfway there, and so it's from the moment of when he fled from his call to greatness, when he discovered the virgin pregnant without his cooperation, he initially fled from his role as a father, his role as a husband, the call that God had for him. He fled out of holy fear, uh, you know, of what was taking place in Mary. But God relentlessly pursued Joseph and brought him back, and the message to every father is that God needs you. God desires you. You are vital, you are important, and you are necessary for the plan of salvation, not only for your family, but for the world. Yeah. Now, the book is called Joseph's Way. You use Joseph, St. Joseph, as as an example. Um, But you also talk about Abraham and Jacob and some other patriarchs. Why? Okay, yeah. Joseph is, in the litany of St. Joseph, there's... um, He's titled Light of Patriarchs. Uh-huh. And so when we look at Joseph, Joseph does not have much to say. In fact, not a single Nothing. word of his is recorded yes. in the scriptures, right? But what he did was profound. And what what happens in, in Catholic, you know, uh, exegetical commentary, or when we're, when we're, you know, biblical hermeneutics, when we're understanding the Bible, there's a thing called typology, yeah. where we find hints of the New Testament in the Old, and hints of the Old Testament yes. in the New, or revealed in the New. Yes. Well, Joseph, is light of patriarchs, he's he's hidden in these Old Testament patriarchs, particularly Abraham, and, uh-huh. and Jacob, and Moses, and David. And by comparing Joseph and letting his light shine on those patriarchs of old, and their fatherhood, and their role as husbands, that light bounces back off of them onto Joseph and reveals him in a new and, and uh, profound light, but it doesn't stop there. Joseph, that light bounces off him and illuminates God the Father for us so that we can see God the Father through the icon St. Joseph, which reveals lessons for our lives and how to become great fathers. Right, I see, I see. So you can, we can understand Joseph's uh, obedience, for example, by looking at Abraham's obedience or um, that's what you mean. I mean, that's one. Of the, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, so the, um, I mean, obviously, the book is for fathers, for dads. Uh, is that it, or is this a book that a mother could read, or or someone who's not a father yet could read? 
Yeah. Oh, definitely uh, a man who is not a father yet, or a man who's a spiritual father, say a priest, uh, yes. um, be, or, or you know, deacon. The lessons apply to all men, because really what we're all in search of is how to be a real man, and how to be a spiritual father, which we're all called to be. And so the lessons of silence, obedience, and sacrifice, they, they apply to every man in this universe. And, and they're universal in its appeal to move us from just the benign, mundane life to something of a holy, vital, uh, a life of vitality and power. So these lessons apply. Now, women could read it, but it's written specifically to men. Right. And, and uh, I think women could read it from the perspective of, okay, how do I help my husband yes. become the man he's called yeah. to be? There you go. Women, a, a good Father's Day gift right here. And then you can read it on the side. Um, you, I don't want to let you go before uh, without asking you about, uh, you're the co-founder of an organization called Fathers of St. Joseph. Mm-hmm. And, and you call it a confraternity for fathers. Can you, can you tell us more? Sure. Uh, when we when I started writing the book, I was a part of a writers group. I actually um, founded this writers group for my brother because he is a writer. I'm not a writer. I'm not an academic or a theologian. Right. And and so we would go through rotation, and I would share these little reflections on Saint Joseph. And one of the guys said, "You know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta. We can't share. We just can't keep this between us any longer. We've got to share this with more men." Mm-hmm. So we founded the confraternity of Fathers of Saint Joseph. It's about Anywhere between 60 and 80 guys meet on first and third Wednesdays, oh, yeah. and we uh, we break down each section in the book, each day, daily meditation with uh, indigestible talking points. We have adoration for about a half an hour, and then we go into the meeting part of it. And uh, it's just amazing what God is doing. And men are contacting me from all over the nation asking how they can you know, start when we're really not quite there yet, but a lot of guys are, like, for example, a man uh, down south just bought 512 books wow. and, and distributed them to all these men, and they're, they're having groups um, meeting and, and discussing the material in the book. Another guy in ten, Tennessee, uh, Mark Houck from the King's Men and Patrick Coffin from Catholic Answers Lives, all, all these men have groups that they're using the book for their material to yeah. discuss, just like we are. Y- you know what? I think <laughs> you, you say you're not ready yet, but maybe you are, because now that everybody uh, we're getting a lot of listeners across North America that you might be getting uh, some phone calls because I know there's a need <laughs> there's a need men need and this is the kind of stuff we need in the parishes and I, I've actually been thinking about starting a men's group uh, not right. just for fathers but also in my parish so it's great to have lots of resources um, Devin we have to leave it there but thank you so much for for the work that you're doing and for writing the book and for uh, sharing it with us uh, God bless you Deacon Pedro Devin Schatt is a husband, father, author, and speaker. He is the co-founder of the Fathers of St. Joseph, an apostolate that works for the renewal of authentic fatherhood. His latest book, Joseph's Way, Prayer of Faith, is published by Ignatius Press. You can learn more at josephswaybook.com. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Out of Darkness, with Father Forgive from their album Stronghold.
has never lost sight Breathe your spirit, oh hope be our way We need your saving grace We need your saving grace Father, forgive Be our compassionate Out of Darkness with Father Forgive from their album Stronghold. Out of Darkness is comprised of husband and wife, Adam and Lori Yubowski. They are both directors of music ministry at two parishes in the Diocese of Pensacola, Tallahassee, Florida. They released their first album in 2010, and their latest album, which we've been listening to, Stronghold, was released in 2013. And I hope that you're as excited as I am about their music. A, uh, not sure how to describe it, a combination of indie, rock, worship, slash ballad, slash acoustic, slash big band. There's a little bit of everything there. Um, I'm happy to welcome Adam and Lori Yubowski of Out of Darkness to our program. Guys, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. 
Thank you so much. Thank you. Glad to be here. So, Very glad. So marriage is difficult. I mean, it's 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 hard work. <laughs> it's a beautiful blessing. You guys have marriage and work together. How does that work? Yes. Well, you know, it's funny because we spent um, much most of our lives individually uh, working on music and learning our skill set and and really just growing in our faith um, separately, but. When we started doing music ministry together, and, and now looking back on after all these years, really we're at, we're at our best when we do music together. Mm. So and when we minister together, and it's really it's not to be sappy or anything, but it just really is true. <laughs> so so music is is an analogy for marriage, Adam. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that as a good analogy, at least for us anyway, being yeah. two musicians. So. so were you got you've been married for twelve years? Did were you doing music separately before? Huh. Well, I think uh, we both kind of grew up um, separately being introduced to, you know, just doing music, you know, in their liturgy at a young age with yeah. our music directors at our home parishes. And, you know, just we kind of found each other in college and just kind of kept going at it, but now together. Right. And and both of you work as music directors. Like, that. those, those are your full-time jobs at these two parishes. Yes. Yes. We're actually, there's two Catholic parishes in, in our town, Niceville, and... Um, they're about five minutes apart, okay. and we we're both directors of music there, and um, it's just been a huge blessing to have these two communities who really, you know, we we joke that it takes the village to raise yeah. you know kids, but here it takes two, yeah. and it's uh, yeah. the village of, yeah. of each of our parishes, and um, just just to have this nice family and community here, and really, um, we do have those full time positions, but it's, it's very much. It's also our ministry, and then mm-hmm. Out of Darkness is our ministry outside of our parish walls. Right. And we've been blessed to just have opportunities to share what we're doing at the parish level uh, together with each other yeah. um, to, to different groups and different uh, different people and different walks of life. Yeah. I want to ask you a little bit more about that, but before that, are, were you both always Catholic in your growing up, or, or is that did you have moments of falling away? Uh, well, I would say that we probably both are, um, we're both cradle Catholics, and um, as far as where we became serious about our journey and our faith, um, for me, that was that was in high school, mm-hmm. uh, a youth conference where I really uh, just face-to-face during Eucharistic adoration, um, just really came to the Lord and, and gave Him, you know, my life and, and just responded to His calling, and Adam's experience um being a cradle Catholic is a little bit different. I'll let him talk about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that I probably took the, a little bit longer route than Lori did, you know, for finally um, coming into my faith and everything. But yeah, I, I grew up, you know, cradle Catholic, and um, you know, always, always attended faithfully and everything, and had a great faithful family. In fact, my dad is an ordained deacon. He oh, was ordained good. when I was fifteen. Good. And uh, so, you know, I don't know. Maybe I think I maybe rebelled a little bit in the uh, you know, beginning stages of my college years, but then of course. I met my wonderful wife at that time, and you know she kind of helped steer me back in the right direction, and uh, yeah, it was a very, very instrumental in my faith journey as right. well. So. so, how crazy, how crazy is it working together, doing music together, having three kids? I hope you don't homeschool them, please. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> that you know, it would be nice to have that option, but um, no, we do not currently. We we um, we're blessed to have a nice school here nearby, but. Um, it is, 
crazy is a really great word to uh, lead into that question because yeah. it does seem crazy a lot. We juggle a lot. Um, but it's for, such a blessing. Mm-hmm. It is. And and just when we come face-to-face with people that, you know, we're, we're called to minister to and we have these opportunities and then um, the things that they walk away with um, that God has revealed to them, those are the kinds of blessings that um, just make the chaos worth it. Right. So and uh, lots of prayer. Yeah. Lots of prayer. <laughs> so how old are your kids? Do 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 you have them playing musical instruments already? Oh, we're slowly working on it as <laughs> as uh, we roll through this summer here. That everybody will be eight, six, and two. Yeah. Okay. Um, so our oldest is uh, pretty good on the piano right now, and yeah, you know, she'll probably start some guitar this summer. And the youngest is probably her. My son, the six-year-old, is going to be starting some drums here pretty quick, so we're we're getting them in there. So yeah, make... they, they kind of. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, make sure you have a full band. Yes, that's the goal. That's but the goal. We're going to have to do it with five piece because I don't know if we're <laughs> have more kids. Um, because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> out of dark, I mean, I did say that out of darkness was the two of you, but really, you have other band members. Um, yes, we do. Yeah, I... we have some great great group of guys that um, we travel with and in our bigger events that we do diocesan youth conferences and things like that. Um, we have a great band that we work with too. Okay. Now why out of darkness? Well, um, you know, when we started working on a name, when we decided to bring our ministry outside of our parish walls and really just um, do music together again, um, since we're at separate parishes, we were like, okay, so we have to have this identity, this name, and we've got to, you know, we've got to have a website for crying out loud. What are we, what are yeah. we calling ourselves? The Yvowskis? I don't know. Sounds like a. <laughs> this kind of sounded like a polka band, so yeah. Yeah, we didn't yeah. really want to go that route. <laughs> um, and so we went through a series of names, but Out of Darkness just stuck, and that's from, uh, of course, taken from Scripture, Second yeah. Corinthians, four six, and. Um, and then uh, we thought it was really cool when Pope Francis, um, when, when he had his Lumen Fidei and the first paragraph in the introduction, describes it so beautifully. Yeah, very much surmises kind of like our, our thoughts and the idea of what we wanted for Out of Darkness, the light of faith and shining our light out. And in fact, on our first CD, um, you know, I, we had a song that was, you know, very much felt commissioned by you know the people who helped raise the funds for our album. It's called mm-hmm. "Let Your Light Shine." Yeah, and uh, yeah, that was just kind of you know our, our our theme and our commissioning you know for our ministry. So, so out of darkness really sort of summarizes what you hope is, if I can call it a mission, the mission of your of mm-hmm. your ministry. Yeah, yeah, that's, you could call that our foundation, and then you know from there we we really. We really try to be versatile and really look at each event that we do and see the needs of the people who are going to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so we're we're kind of always morphing, you know, and, and changing just to meet those needs as best we can. But that really is our foundation. Right. Um, How do you? Who does all the songwriting, or do you share that as well? <laughs> well, I wrote a <laughs> word one time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And he didn't let me have any credit. <laughs> oh man! Primarily, I've done most of the uh, of the songwriting on the uh, the last couple albums. Next, which is something you know we're kind of hoping change. We'd like to be able to spend some more time, maybe kind of trying to 
yeah. write a little bit more. Um, yeah. But we did, have, you know, we've had some opportunities to uh, work with some great songwriters too. Yeah. Um, kind of helped with some songs too. So this new album, Stronghold, I guess is yeah, I guess is new, newish. Um, yeah, still a baby. <laughs> most of most of the songs are all the songs written by you, Adam. Um, let's see. We did uh, nine originals, and we did one. You cover have one cover, yeah. On the, yeah. So yeah, um, they were all written by me. Um, couple co-wrote with uh, Sarah Hart and. Uh, oh, good. Our producer Josh Blakesley helped you know fix it one or two of them. So. Oh, excellent. Good, good, good choices, Sarah, Sarah and Josh, good friends. Um, oh, yeah. do, do you, do, um, okay, and then you take it to the band, and does the band help collaborate, or it's basically Adam's way or the highway? <laughs> but, I mean, as far, as far as the recording goes, you know, we, we, we went to Nashville and we recorded with studio artists. And, yeah, uh, okay, I see. Right, yeah, okay. and really, it was, it was our vision, and then, and then Josh as producer, Josh Blakesley. Yeah. Um, did just such a great job with this and really captured um, where our heart was at for each song. And um, so that's kind of how that came about. Yeah, yeah. well, I, you know, I did not realize that Josh had produced it. Um, he, he did a good job. It, it's a really good album. I love the sound. Um, whatever you. you guys are doing, keep doing it. It's so refreshing <laughs> to, to meet new band. You guys are a, a new band for me. Um, to, to, to the music is great. The the songwriting is great. The the sound is excellent. The production is excellent, and and that's so exciting because that's what we do well, here. Thank you. Yeah. No, this is thank great. Thank you so much. So, um, th- thank you for for uh, <laughs> for joining me today, joining our listeners and me today. And uh, if I'm in Florida, I'm gonna look you guys up. Oh, definitely. That was Adam and Lori Yubowski, husband and wife team, Out of Darkness. You can learn more about their band, Out of Darkness. You can book them for an event or buy their music at outofdarknessmusic.com. Here they are now with Let My Soul Proclaim from their album, Stronghold. Let my soul proclaim your greatness, Lord, let my soul Let my soul proclaim Well, how can this be? You have shown me the Savior And I will call Him Jesus His mercy sets me free I am not afraid For you have shown great favor Nothing is impossible Let my soul We're listening to Out of Darkness with Let My Soul Proclaim from their album Stronghold. And that concludes this special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. Remember to visit our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Thank you for listening. I'm Deacon Pedro. I want to jump for joy.